you go, yeah, you know that money I owe me, don't worry about paying it back. And that just floored me because I knew exactly what it meant, right? Like, Clara, dad's always someone that really looked after his money and counted it and was very clear on it. And that message, like, it just felt like it was a, he was saying something to me. And I, I literally just froze and didn't speak for a few seconds because I was like, shit. If I could be anything, I can be fucking anything. I still remember the day I had that realization while speaking at our Freedom Fest event. And I'm here to tell you that you can be fucking anything you want in life. I am Clint X Morgan, your host for the Rich Mystic Man podcast. And if you're ready to create a life of freedom, connection, and abundance, this podcast is for you. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Rich Mystic Man. And today we have a very special guest. And I. I was just scrolling through Facebook the other day, as you do, and uh, I saw this post. And um, actually, it was a I'd seen I'd seen a series of posts. You know, sometimes someone just starts popping up more than usual. Yeah. Anyway, so I saw um, Ian Hawkins' name pop up, and I just the first post I probably just quickly glanced through. I was like, "Hey, that's interesting." And then something about this one, it just it just poked right out at me. I was like, oh, "I've got to read this." So I was reading through it, and um, you know, just talking about money and an interesting perspective around money. And so I was like, oh, I'd love to love to have him on the show. So I reached out and said, Ian, mate, how do you feel about coming on the podcast? And so I think that was on that was on Monday, I think. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah, like, absolutely. you ready to go? Only the other day, straight yeah. into it. Straight into it. Don't fuck around. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> good to have you here, brother. Um, yeah, we'd love to, I guess, just, you know, for the listeners, um, and also myself, just, you know, give us a little bit of a little bit of a background of yourself and you know how you came be how you came to be here today like i know you've got your own podcast um you've created the grief code um you know you have the seven steps to to handling grief and so just a little bit about uh your backstory and how you came here to be sharing this today so i guess if you go the whole backstory i've always been someone that is a loves to give and when you get further along the journey you realize that you, you're you're over giving in so many different areas and for me, a uh, big turning point with my dad's passing in 2005, so through my own grief. And obviously there's deep sadness and you go through grief when you lose someone that close to you. But for me, it was everything else that came to the surface as well. Like I didn't feel as connected to him as I needed to be as a child and then growing up, still sort of searching for that connection. He's, he's so, he's so good with kids, right? And my... 10 months earlier, my first child was born and I just remember going, this is going to be great. We're going to have the best connection now. And I can still remember when I called home and he answered and just the joy in his voice and I was it's going to be great. Um, at the same time he was sick and I didn't know how sick until he came to the door, interestingly about money as well. He came to the door at some point and he just said, you know that money you owe me? Because I'd been on a round the world trip and, and racked up a fair bit of debt. Um, which they, uh, was very appreciative that they gave me that opportunity. And he go, yeah, you know that money I owe me, don't worry about paying it back. And that just floored me because I knew exactly what it meant, right? Like, Clara, dad's always someone that really looked after his money and counted it and was very clear on it. And that message, like, it just felt like it was a, he was saying something to me. And I, I literally just froze and didn't speak for a few seconds because I was like, shit. So it was like unraveling that and then six years of just spinning the wheels, angry, tired, grieving still. 
stuck, getting on with life, but I've had two kids through that time, so you have to, and having a corporate career, you've just got to get on with it. But at the same time, just so much wasn't working, wasn't feeling great within myself. And then the post that you saw, I was referencing my first step into personal growth work, and it was because of a need for financial security around that uh, global financial crisis time, people not being able to retire. And I'm like, what? Like, because the markets crash, your super crashes and you can't retire. I'm like, what the fuck? That's not right. So that, that was the journey for me is like, all right, I need to sort that out. And the first person that I came across as a mentor, he started teaching me all about mindset and I couldn't get enough of it. It just so uncomfortable and, and really, I cringed so much, but I just knew I needed it. And then, yeah, the moment, you know, you go through the, the process and then you go to one of his events and he's like, here's the offer. And, and he asked me, why do I want to do this? And I said, it was one of those moments where, I don't know if you've had those times where you speak and it sort of comes from a depth and you don't even know where, but you kind of hear yourself saying it, you know, where did that come from? But I, yeah. but I said to him, oh, cause I'm sick of being mediocre and it even shocked me. Right. And so then that started the journey. It's like, I just immersed myself in as much as I could. Like if, if this sort of investment in myself can give me this, if I can feel this good, then what else is possible? So that's when the, the healing journey started and not just the healing journey, but the growth journey. I'm like, where is this shit been? Mm. Did you notice? Actually, sorry. Did you, did you notice that like, that's oh. the thing is like what I found throughout my, like when I discovered personal development. It's like, I noticed the change so quickly. I'm like, holy fuck, if this can happen just by reading a little bit of a book or just taking a few different actions or going to a short event, like imagine if I did this for years. So was it, is an instant sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I can remember at one point uh, I was into my probably third training I was doing with someone just going, this is like, I feel like I'm accelerating out of control and loving it at the same time i wouldn't want to be anywhere else right. so it's like you're hanging on for the ride but you're like how fucking good is this like yeah what else is possible uh, and i yeah. think they're the questions we ask when we're young when you look up at the stars and what what does all this mean what does this what does life mean and you're searching for answers but then that gets squashed around the sort of early teens yeah and through your teen years and then well, that's been my experience anyway but one of the blessings of this work is being able to give my children the opportunity to explore that now in their teens and, and even before that, and just watching the impact that's having for them has been really cool. Yeah. Nice. How old are your kids? Uh, 16 and 19. 16, 19. Nice. I've got, um, yeah. I've got one, three and five. So they're, uh, it's in the, uh, the early, early phase, but I'm excited about, you know, seeing them grow and, you know, being a good role mo model and yeah, yeah. It's a wild that's ride. A, one child under five is intense. Three, can't even imagine, brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's insane, but I love yeah. it. Love it. Yeah, awesome, brother. So, what's uh, you know, you got the seven steps uh, to dealing with grief. Like, what's do you want to sort of run us through? You know, maybe the the seven steps, or, or you know, maybe the ones you feel the most appropriate that you want to share. That maybe someone because I, I guess I'll, you, you may or may not be aware, but I lost my brother um, to cancer. Uh, it's coming on one, one year on the 6th of November. So, you know, when we, when I first reached out, I, was, I thought we'd be having a chat around money. And then I, you know, realized you got the grief code and I was looking at your seven steps and I was like, fuck, like it's probably, cause I'm all, I'm always, I'm always beating the drum around money and 
you know, it's the rich mystic man. So I'm often talking about business and leadership and sales. And, um, so I'd love to have the conversation around grief. Um, and, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, like, especially even what you said like that. And I think it'd be, you know, if someone was to lose someone like instantly that has a car crash or whatever, and you know, they're there and they're gone, it's like, fuck, like that'd be insane. But having the chance to, like my brother had cancer, we knew for two, for two years. So you, you grieve in the whole time. As soon as you find out it's this process of like, well, he could survive, but he could die. So you, you sort of, you got one foot in the, the door of hope. And then you've got this other foot of like, okay, you know, facing the, the grief of the loss of my brother, you know, so yeah, yeah. I'd love for you to share and, um, unpack like what, what you've, um, what you've discovered and what's helped you. And then obviously what's helped others through the same situation. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it was first two weeks, you got people around you, there's support. People don't always know what to say, but you just know they're there, right? People dropped off meals, all sorts of different stuff, but then everyone goes back to their life and then you're kind of left going, well, what, what am I supposed to do now? Like you get on with it because you have to, but there's part of you just feeling like I'm not equipped to deal with this. And for me, that was six years. That was six years of, it was like being in a fog in a way, getting on with it. But, but there's still that, you know, whatever it was, it's still sitting there and realizing that there are certain steps that need to, to take to, to come out the other side and not just come out the other side, but to, to actually take the joy and the blessing from the grief. And grief isn't always about death, right? Everyone experiences grief in some way. When you, when you make a change of any sort, there's a, you're grieving the old version of that. So we're constantly going through these grief, grieving and healing situations, but when they're the big ones, then lots can unravel. And there's all this unresolved stuff with that person, but not just that person, but everything related to that person. So every person that reminds you, every event, within yourself, what impact that might've had, could I have done something different? Then there's the unknown stuff, which is all of those things that are there, which you know what it's like when you go along the, the growth journey, right? That you suddenly discover shit and you go, wow, how did I not see that? It's like staring me in the, in the face. But unless you have the key steps in place, then, then you're kind of just running around in circles and you're stuck in a loop. And even if you start doing healing, it's still a loop unless you've got that that direction and those steps to be able to move forward. So those steps were my path out and those steps are what I've helped people in my coaching business for it's getting close to 10 years now, taking people through the same process. At first it was just unconscious, right? I didn't realize that, that there, there was this pattern that was emerging, but it's the same thing. So it, so it starts with self-responsibility because after grief, we get stuck in this place of blame and that's a normal part of grief. So my seven steps are not the, the seven steps of the immediate grieving, but the seven steps of, okay, you've, you've grieved, but what else is still sitting there and how do you now move forward with your life so you can not just get on with it, but actually really live a life that honors that particular loss. And if it's the death of someone close that honors them, right? So self-responsibility for everything. I don't know if you've, if you've listened to those. Well, I'll, I'll just explain from my journey. It was like listening to guys like Jim Rohn, Les Brown, saying, you've got to take full responsibility for every element of your life. And I was like, fucking bullshit. Like, this cunt's done this. Like, this, this bloke's not, like, no fucking way, right? But then you start to realize, and they say, when the moment you take full responsibility, you take back your power. 
you can control self-control. You can control the outcome then. The moment you start saying it's on someone else, it's on some external circumstances, give up your power. So self-responsibility. Then next step is inner calm. And for me, one of the real things that came to the surface was anger. Angry at my young kids, angry at my wife, not all the time, angry on the spawning field, but, but when things got intense, then it would spill over. So that was a real motivator for me. I, I didn't want to be that angry dad anymore, that angry husband, angry friend at times too, right? So it was about finding that inner calm. And there's a, a long story, I don't know how long we've got, Clint, but uh, stumbling across meditation in the only way it would have found me, and that was through sport. Because go, I want to go for it, if, you, if you want to share, go for it, mate. Yeah. So a key part of, of, uh, the journey is getting clear on the future. So knowing what you're working towards. And I had really, I had really clear vision about the per person I wanted to be and the things that were in the road. And one of those things was anger. So I had really clear, I wanted to be a calm and patient man. And when you get really clear on what you want and you committed to paper, and I was journaling a heap at this point as well then the solutions start to find you. Your unconscious brain starts trying to find it. The whole universe conspires to help you. And I'm, I played golfer in the, the, uh, the clubhouse having a beer afterwards. And there's a secondhand bookstore after uni, I'd like, I'm never studying again. I don't want to study. I'm over this, but I'd got back that, that desire to learn and, and reading. I'd never been a massive reader. Well, I had been up until about my teens, interestingly. So we get back to reading and I see this book and it's called Sport is Life, Life is Sport. It's just behind me on the shelf there. And part of it's this stuff on meditation and I'm like, wow, well, if it's good enough for these guys, I'm, I'm going to give it a crack. And then that started to change everything. The day I days I meditated, I'm, I'm calmer. I'm a, better, I'm a better dad, I'm a better husband, I'm a better person. And the days when I didn't, I was quicker to snappy, snappiness to, to be cranky. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to do this. And so I went on that journey of trying to create as much calm as I could. The calm, inner calm and, and the direction piece happened about the same time, which was you need to know where you're heading. Otherwise, that's what that loop that I was talking about. I knew I wanted to be better, but I didn't know to what end. I didn't know why. So I was stuck in this loop of just trying to get better but not knowing how. So you need to know where you're heading. Security is probably the, the place. Me, we'd love to just unpack it. Yeah, yeah. A couple of questions on those three first steps and share a little um, uh, story myself on the inner calm. Um, so, yeah, just to, I guess, reiterate the, the meditation piece. So, you know, when my brother was diagnosed with cancer, I was like, oh, fuck, you know, because I was, I was deep in the personal development world myself and I'd, I'd you know, been healing myself for years, you know, like relentlessly. And so uh, he was like, okay, what can I do to support him? And, um, one of my, one of my good mates, he's like, man, check out Joe Dispenza in his work. Like he's, he's the dude when it comes to like helping people with cancers and, you know, sickness and illness and, you know, power of the power of the mind and stuff like that. So I'm like, all right, sweet. So I started, I bought the book for my um, brother and then, you know, I got my family on to reading it as well or listening to the audio. And, um, you know, next minute my dad suggested, why don't we do a group meditation healing for Arlen, my brother? like oh that sounds that's a fucking great idea dad let's do it yeah and then so that became a habit so we started doing every wednesday night and um with my dad because my mom and dad are split um wednesday night we do a, a family healing with my brother on a wednesday and then on a thursday we do the same right with my mom and um 
And I think like, you know, my brother ended up passing away, but I feel that you could just see the shift, the, the meditation and, and being in that work it had on him, even for those last couple of years, although he was, you know, gradually passing away, like he was having a good time and he just seemed happier than what he was even before he was sick at times, you know, yeah. but then post, you know, we sort of, the, the, I know my dad was a little bit, he's like, oh, fuck meditation. He sort of was like, nah, like it didn't work for my brother. I'm out. But then we sort of got back into it. And I really feel because of that, we've sort of, we've all stayed consistent with it. It's really helped. And even my dad's like, I thought I'd be way worse than this with the loss of my son, you know, but I feel because of the meditation, like it's really helped to keep that, that calm and that peace within the family unit. So, and just quickly on that, Clint. It, what it does is it means that you stop feeling guilty about feeling good, which so many people do, right? Yeah, nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we like that. Question on the um, the first one, like uh, radical account accountability or self-responsibility? Self-responsibility, self yeah. So yeah. like, um, you know, I think it's, it's one thing to say that, be responsible for everything. It's another thing to actually do it. Is there any, anything, you could, tools you could share on like, you know, how? to be more self-responsible of stuff that's going on in your life? Yeah, well, the first step's always awareness. So it's having a intention that you're going to be catching yourself every time that you're not. Now, there, there are still times where I blame. Like, I'm, it's not about being perfect, but it's being having that awareness and, and teaching your kids, like I had my young fella point out to me this morning, Dad, you always talk about responsibility. Take responsibility for this. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> so that's, a, that's one way. <laughs> you educate the people in your world and they'll hold you to account. But the best way is self-accountability and that's through journaling. So when early days of my journey, I had a very strict protocol on how I journaled and, and stuck to it every day. I had an alarm that went off and it was like, today I did really well in these particular moments for everything, but particularly around the question you asked around self-responsibility. At these times, I didn't. So it allows you to to not just think about it and have that awareness, but then hold yourself to account. And then what it allows you to do is at the end of a day, you can be able to review how you went and that unconscious part of you again, wants to do better the next day. It enjoys the feeling when you wrote the good stuff. And so it seeks out more opportunities to do that. And so you start building momentum and it's the power of the written word. Like Jim Rohn used to, if you listen to any of his videos, he talks about there's something magical about creating that truth, about getting it down on paper and that's something that stuck with me i have my journal like right here i'm, I'm less rigid with the process i i often do it in meditation i break from the meditation and write down what i need to write down because often really important stuff comes through and that allows you to to navigate any situation with some accountability now of course it works even better if you've got someone holding you to account as well and you've got someone in your life that you can check in with and or teach your children and your partner or, or anyone else and, and be able to have those conversations. But if, yeah, just being able to have that self-accountability is powerful. Yeah, epic. All right, brother. So we've got uh, self-responsibility, inner calm, direction, and then uh, what's, the, what's the fourth piece? So the fourth is security. And what you'll also notice is that all these steps also align to the chakras as well. So it's like self-responsibility is foundation. That's base. In it comes all about uh, that interaction between people, the giving and receiving in a, in a calm way. Direction, life force, right? the, the, the solar plexus, 
and removing the fear that comes in that space as well. And, and security is all about heart. So yes, financial security is often where people start, which is the post that you were drawn to, but the security that you actually want, because money's not about money. Money's about feeling loved, feeling safe, feeling enough and feeling valuable. And so when you can address all of those different areas in every area of your life, funny thing happens, right? We talked about time before you get more time back, but money just seems to find you because you've, the more work you do in the self, the more loved you feel, the more valuable you feel, the safer you feel, and you certainly feel and more than enough. So it's helping reprogram the stories that you heard. This is what happened for me when I talked about the unresolved stuff. It was all of that stuff with my dad that I, I just wanted, now that I was learning personal growth, I just wanted to ask him about what happened when, when this happened? Why did you do this when, like, why were we doing things this way? You can't do that or not consciously, not consciously anyway, that might be for another podcast, but, but we can still have those conversations. But what it allows you to do is, is it identified, what did you see? What did you have modeled to you? around all sorts of different behaviors, specifically money we talked about before. What are you repeating? What language are you using that's repeating? What reaction did you have to those moments? And then how do you rewrite the story? So that is very much a, a reprogramming is quite, quite the word, but it's training the brain to think in a different way. A bit like Joe Dispenza talks about, right? But it's the structure. So for me, I was lost without the structure. And they had all these people that I had as my mentors and my coaches teaching me structure. And so I just went, okay, I, I thrive in structure. We, we all do. But for me, my particular personality, I, I can get really lost without structure. So I've spent a lot of time and energy putting structure in my world. And then that's what I love to be able to teach other people. Because it often it's not, you can learn all the different things, but having the structure in place that works, not my structure, not your structure, but the structure for the, for the listener that works exactly for you. And finding what that is, and that's going to be the thing that's going to help you find more of that inner security, which will then present as outer security and whatever that looks like for you. What was this? What was the structure again? What was the? What were those steps? Those questions. So, it's looking at what? What did you hear? What did you see? What did you have role modelled? What is now repeating in your current life? Rewrite the story. So this is like you know, say you've. You know, you can never, it doesn't matter how much money you make, you keep, you keep spending it. For example, then you ask those questions. Okay. What was, you know, yeah. and then, and then, and then what's the new story that you can write based yeah. on what you, what you want to create for yourself. There's a, there's a good one that for the working class amongst us, you know, like rich people are, um, uh, evil or rich people are bad or whatever. I, I can remember when, you know, a, a real fancy car would drive down our street and we go, ah, oh, drug dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, yeah. cause you know, rich people can't be, can't yeah. be good. Yeah. So it's, it's those sort of messages. Yeah. And it's also things like, you know, yeah, your parents, money doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. We haven't got money for this. All that, all those messages are lack that, that are just so hardwired. It's about unraveling those. And like I said, it's not just about money. It's, it's those messages that you heard when you're being a parent, for example, you got five young children. How many of those messages that you just come out and you go, oh shit, that's my dad. Yeah, or that's my mum or whatever. So, there's we have an endless supply of these patterns, right? So yeah. it's a, it's a very much a, a lifelong journey of unpeeling them and continuing to to create better stories. One one big one for me, like thanks, Dad, was uh. So I've about a few years ago, I 
I wanted to be a rapper. So I created financial freedom for myself. I, I, I guess I idolized being a rapper, but always thought it was just a dream. And then I was like, well, cause I got into personal development and I went from being super shy and awkward, couldn't talk to people, you know, had no money. And then I was like, I could now talk to people. I could sell people. And I'd learned all this. I'm like, and I was now making money. I'm like, wait a second. If I could come from that to this, I'm like, maybe I fucking could be a rapper. Right. And so I, uh, I, I found someone who was a vocal coach and she really worked on like more so looking at beliefs. Cause she's like, everyone can sing, Glenn. everyone has a voice, right? It's just, it's just allowing yourself to do it. And I realized my dad, right? God love him. Anytime we'd sing when we were kids, he's like, don't quit your day job. <laughs> you know, yep. only joking, but it's just, it was just a, a belief. I'm like, oh fuck, I can't sing, you know? So yeah, yeah. I had have to you, do a lot of unraveling. Yeah. Have you seen the, the guy, he teaches the singing limp? Nah. So it's like every time you hear that message, we, you create a little limp in your voice. So you're, you're then, and then it gets more of a limp and then, so you like, like walking on a dodgy ankle, right? But that doesn't happen just for singing. That happens for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that being enough piece. Yeah. So every time we hear a message like that, even if it's just a throwaway line, even if it's just a joke, then it, it further destabilizes our, our belief in ourself and our value. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, it is a fascinating thing to spend time with your parents and then also them being grandparents and seeing the things that they say to your children. And then you pull them aside. You're like, don't listen to pop. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they learn pretty quickly, right? Yeah. You don't even have to tell them after yeah. a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. All right. Sweet brother. So that was five, four. That's four. Yeah. Four. And then it's voice. So part of it's finding your voice. Interestingly, if I look back to my early videos in, in business, my voice has changed significantly. The vibration, the frequency, uh, like and my coach say to me numerous times, like your voice in itself is healing. So sometimes you just need to speak, like don't get too caught in the message. It's the, it's the vibration. So that's kind of the, the, the high end, but initially it's like learning to say what you need to say in a calm way. So it's being able to articulate what it is that you need to say to who and how. And most people experienced their voice being suppressed. Don't, uh, yeah. Classic one for my generation is children should be seen and not heard. Now that was the, the saying, but it, most people experience that. And you know, they think any boisterous children, uh, coming into a room when, when parents are there and they're being loud and what, what do people say? Oh, just be quiet or whatever else it is. And so then we create this pattern of, well, my voice isn't valuable. And then there's the deeper level of when maybe you saw something that you shouldn't have or something happened to you and then you had someone threaten you, you know, you need to keep quiet on this or whatever else it is. And then it stops people from being able to say what they truly mean. Another one that comes to mind now is like, if you grew up in an environment where you weren't hearing something simple as I love you, because it just wasn't the done thing. Oh, you know, we, we show it through actions. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely do. Sometimes it's also nice to be able to hear. And that's been my journey and, and being able to have those conversations with my children, also with my mum, And that's been, and that's been really cool as well. Changing the story. Mm. Yeah. Even, even, even from a frequency standpoint, like. I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, Masaru Emoto's work with water. 
Yeah, absolutely. I actually saw another one the other day where he's plugging music in as well. Yeah. 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 Well, the, the two, he's done all these tests with water and, you know, for the listeners who hasn't heard him, he's, he's a Japanese, um, uh, scientist and he, he's actually passed now, but he did all this research on, um, you know, different frequencies and the effect that has on water. And so like love, gratitude, you put, uh, those words or speak those words to a glass of water and then you, you take the water and put it under a, a microscope and it has like the love and gratitude have these beautiful symmetrical frequencies. And then, um, you know, like hate or anger, it has like, it's just disjointed and it's just sort of off. It's not symmetrical. Right. And, um, the two from all his research, the, the, there was, there wasn't one word that was, that had the most effect. There was a combination of two words and those two words were love and gratitude, right? So even just saying, I love you, it's bringing that frequency into your household, into your relationships, into your children, or thank you, Bill, thank you. I love you. You know? So it's like, just the more you say that and the more you express that, it's just obviously going to connect and, and have a high vibe frequency around you, around your household. And then obviously affect the water that's in your children's bodies. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to ask you, this is sort of probably more of a, a, a personal parenting question because my children, right? Like I've got, uh, three under five, so it's pretty hectic and you know, they, they can be extremely loud. Right. And so like, how do you, how do you, without like, you know, you know, obviously the children should be seen and not heard is not the level that I'm playing at, but sometimes it's like, guys, just keep it down a little bit, please. Like, <laughs> how do you, you know, how do you, how do you do it in a way that's not like, you know, sort of, you want them just to be a little bit quiet because there's some legit reason, like maybe a baby sleeping or something without like, um, you know, dulling their voice. You know, that still happens when they're, uh, when they're older, right? <laughs> they still dies from like, oh my God. And it's the dog, well, he's here as well. Like they wind the dog up and the dog barks. He's like, he's part German shepherd. So he's got this deep soul piercing protective bark. Right? Um, so you, you, you said it yourself. It's like, you tell them why. So at the moment, this is what's going yeah. on. It would be really helpful if you keep quiet. Cause if you don't, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, like he, at the moment, dad's got a bit of a headache cause he's got a lot going on in his mind and, and you're not always going to get the right result there. And there's still going to be times where you're like, I, I just can't cope with this. And yeah. it might be just saying, oh, I'm going to have to just go to another room now just to be quiet, which is tricky when you've got one to three and five, right? So there's no perfect solution, but as long as you can explain to them why as much as possible, then they'll start to understand that it's not just because I'm telling you to shut up. It's because of something what's going on, that's going on for me mm. and you make it personal and they understand that it's not about them, then, then I think. You just do the best you can again with that self responsibility and with with a loving response. It's the best you can do. You still we're still going to muck things up for our children, but the beauty of that is that then they get to unravel that themselves yeah, and grow yeah. through it. Yeah, we want we want to we want to keep the personal development business in business. You know, exactly. <laughs> well, it's it, it creates purpose, right? Yeah. Like I, at first when I first started learning this stuff, I'm like, oh my god, I have fucked up my children so bad. And now it's like, oh, cool. I fucked up my children. Like they get the opportunity to now grow through that and they get to, and you see them when they're able to feel the satisfaction of overcoming something that was a block before. Mm. So yeah. well, you, you, you've seen it through grief and I experienced that through my brother is like the greater the wound, the greater the gift. Yeah. When, when people are ready to, to see that, not everyone's ready to see that. 
um, one of the parts of self-responsibility is forgiveness and forgiveness to other people, not, not necessarily that you even have to say it to them. It's just, you're forgiving within yourself so that you can move on yeah. so you can, yeah, ease that, whatever the pain you might be feeling within or just to, to bring it to peace. Yeah. Nice. All right. Number six. Right. Six. Six. Yeah. Uh, so six, now you're testing my, uh, my, uh, memory. So six is intuition and we all have this intuitive ability and whether you believe in the, uh, the depths of that intuition, what you'll find is that you, as you go on the healing journey is that you start to unlock that intuition you start to trust it more. And what usually happens is we get this gut feel. Now the gut feel is in that solar plexus area, which is our life force energy and it's, and, and it is never wrong. The problem is that same place in our body is where we also feel fear. We feel despair and we feel loneliness. So we can get in our head and we stop trusting our intuition. So our gut now, our intuition are talking all the time, but when we are able to create that trust and just feel what comes through. So it's like the third eye, right? So we talked about meditation. It's that guidance that comes through being able to trust what that is and act on it. Even when it's like, really, you want, that's what I'm supposed to do because it also helps us to face those fears as well. But the other side of it is being able to act on it, knowing that this is what usually happens with intuition. You get some sort of intuitive nudge, you do it. And then the results, not exactly as you thought it should have been. And you're like, didn't work. Shouldn't have trusted it. I should have trusted my brain. The reality is, is that intuition isn't always a straight line. It takes us around obstacles. Sometimes it takes us under, over, through, whatever. So sometimes it's like the intuition that leads to the intuition that leads to the intuition, which takes us to where we really want it to go. And it's not judging the outcome. It's just trusting what comes through. So there's, there are times where I might have a dream or in meditation, I'll get guidance around something and I'm like, what on earth does that mean? And so then I'll have to sit and decode it. So part of the intuition process is being able to decode the guidance you get because we, it's not always direct and literal, making sense of it and then being able to act on it as well. So that's the art of it. Not just blindly going, oh, here's a message. I'll just do it. Oh, what, what happened here? I shouldn't have trusted that person said, trust your intuition. Look where it's got me. It's being able to have that conversation with yourself still using your logic brain because the ego is there to serve us. Yeah. Our logical brain is there as a wonderful tool. So we need to integrate the two. People who just go logic, they're going to struggle in certain areas. People who just go intuition, they're going to struggle. But when we can blend the two, yeah. bring them together, then we get this incredible dance where we're able to navigate any situation and knowing and trusting that we're going to be okay on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this time I was, I was, uh, I was just exercising, you know, my trusting my intuition and that, those voices that come through. And I was, I was doing this, um, um, this intense training program. I was tra tra training twice a day. And I was like, I was like, I'll just go for a walk, you know, just some cash. And then the voice is like, run, Flint. And I was like, all right, I'll run. So I start running. And then, um, then it's like, do some sprints. I'm like, really? All right, I'll do some sprints. Anyway, then I was starting to feel good. And I was like, and then the voice is dark and there was a storm coming and I was outside. And the voice said, go run through the bush. And there's this track that I run through the bush. And I was like, oh, that's all right. It's still, anyway, so I'm running through the bush and I'm feeling like, by the time I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, I'm feeling wild. I'm feeling good. 
And then I get down and you run through, through this pier. It's down in Guymere in Sydney and you run over this pier. And, um, and the voice said, go for a swim. And I was just like, nah, fuck that. You're crazy. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just ran home and I felt great. And I was sort of like that the intuition is like, the, then the discernment of the brain is like, nah, I'm not going fucking swim. And it's night. The right. sharks. Yeah. Nah, I'm out. <laughs> Too far. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet bro. All right. What's the last one? Us, infinite, infinite possibilities, infinite energy. So that's connecting to whether you relate to the concept of God, the universe, source energy, whatever it is for you, we, we have access to this infinite energy. And when you can tap into that and work with it, then anything's possible. I know a lot of your listeners are going to be going to be okay with that concept but for any of that are sort of still grappling with that idea you walk into a room and sometimes you can go what is going on in here like you can feel like the iciness or the anger or the frustration or whatever so you've all had experiences with energy and you've also met that person that you're like wow there's just something about this person that i just love and they haven't even opened their mouth yet because their energy is reflecting back to you an energy that you really, really know well, and it's your own energy. And so this energy, which the universe is made up of, and I like the simplicity of someone like Alan Watts describes it. It's just, there's two energies. It's love and fear. And, and he talks about, you know, God and the devil. And he goes, they didn't even get too creative when they came up with the names, did they? They just changed two letters to God and devil. And I'm like, oh, wow. Cool. So it's just coming to a simplicity around energy and energy. You can manipulate energy, you can shift energy, you can harness energy, but you can also be impacted by it. So it's learning to protect your energy. So boundaries, but also use your energy in a way that's for good. And you can get stuck in this negative spiral of worrying about all the negative energy and the negative entities out there in the world. And I know people can go deep down rabbit holes around that, or you can take self-responsibility and decide I'm going to control my energy. I'm going to look after my energy and I'm going to use that energy in the way that's going to be beneficial, not just to myself, but for every energy I touch. And for those of us uh, that have gone and done a heap of work and, and, and work with energy, the, the biggest thing is to be able to make sure that you keep bringing your energy back to you and that you keep detaching from other people's energy because it's, it's like boundaries when you talk about uh, different people that might be demanding of your time and space that you, you run into people who are demanding of your energy and they might just check in occasionally just to get a little hit of energy and being able to say, yeah, but now, now's not a good time or just energetically do it. And again, if we want to go deeper, it might be just asking permission if you can connect with them energetically and having a conversation. I've had these moments, well, I had one just recently where someone had put a comment on my post and they were, it was antagonistic and it was, and it was aggressive and it wasn't really in keeping with what I, the message that I was trying to put across. So I went into meditation and told them to back the fuck off. And when I came back from meditation, the comment was gone. Nice. Yeah, you're right. Nice. That. Doesn't always work. But yeah. when it does, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So what, um, anything else, I, lo I love that, uh, going into meditation and, and what you just shared then. And, um, cause I know with, uh, with grief and you know, I guess with any situation in life is that oftentimes there's, there's people that have had, maybe they've wronged you or they've done something that's, that's fucked you off or, 
you know, and so there's so much, there can be so much energy that's constantly on your mind or you're thinking of them or, you know, you feel it's unjust and, and it's, it's essentially can be justified, but it's like, how can you then I guess detach or forgive or, you know, find peace within that relationship and maybe you can't have a conversation with them because they're not approachable or it just doesn't work. So how do you then detach from your side and bring peace? Yeah. And sometimes they're past as well, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, I think the, the, the part that I would really, uh, highlight is the permission side of things. It's like you, in a, in a real life conversation, you wouldn't just go up and start talking to people if they didn't want to be spoken to at the time. So when I say permission, if you've done kinesiology, you'll know that the body gives you a yes or no response. So it's learning how to have that yes or no. It's part of the intuition piece, learning your own yes or no response from your body. I remember teaching my elders the first time, um, about, oh, you know, they wanted an answer on something. I'm like, here, here you go. Like, uh, this, try this out. And they're like, what? Can you do this for any question? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, like, yeah. how cool is that? So it's like, you ask permission. If it's a no, then it's not the right time to speak to them. If you get a yes, say what you need to say. And the beauty of the energetic conversations and, and also when we're doing any sort of healing work is that we can do and say all of the things that we wouldn't do in our waking life to get the message across. Sure. And that's okay because it's being received, it's been delivered with love and it's being received with love. No one's going to take offense to it because it's energy. As long as the energy is a loving energy, then yeah, it's only going to be of benefit to both of you. Mm. Yeah. I guess you could say even, even with that, even if it gets heated and you're like, fuck you, you know, like how dare you done, you've done that to me. Like it's still coming from a loving place of wanting to heal or wanting to resolve. So even if that comes through, it's not, it's not like you're projecting that at them in a sense. It's more like you're just expressing how you feel and, and allowing it to be said. Yeah. Uh, I love the, the quote, love is kind. It's not always nice. Sometimes you need to be direct. Awesome, brother. Great conversation, mate. I've uh, enjoyed every minute of it. There's been a lot of goosebumps, so I know a lot of it's uh, value. And I know even even that that framework is really, it's a framework for for life, creation, manifestation. You know, if you can just live, live by those seven steps, then, you know, you'll, you'll have a good life. 100%. And remembering that everyone's experienced grief, you don't have to have experienced it the loss that Clint has or I have, like we've, we've experienced some sort of loss. So yeah, absolutely. If you use those seven steps for life, then yeah, can't get wrong. Awesome brother. How do, uh, how do the listeners stay in touch? Where can they follow you or? Yeah, they can follow me. Um, Ian Hawkins coaching is, is all my handles. Uh, you mentioned a free gift. I, my, my start training is a product of the six years. It's like, well, I, I want to change, but I don't know where to start. So I've created that free training, which is, here's the place to start. And it's about taking self-responsibility and it's about starting to put some structure in place to be able to move past the, the stress and the, and the burnout and, and get back into your best performance and standing in your power. So that's, uh, at ianhawkinscoaching.com forward slash start training. That's a free one. Um, and, uh, they will get you on the path to being able to walk through those seven steps some brother and we'll uh we'll put that in the show notes as well cool man i appreciate it likewise man good chat good to connect absolutely thanks bro yes thanks Glenn. if you enjoyed this episode share it with your friends give it five stars leave a comment but most important thing of all 
is to take action from the wisdom and the nuggets that you heard within this show because that's where the magic happens. That's where the growth happens and that's where the rich mystic man resides. If you're serious about your growth, follow me across my social media at Morgan and visit my website at www.clintxmorgan.com where you will find more information about my training and membership to keep on expanding. Be proud of yourself, my brother. See you on the next episode of the Rich Mystic Man podcast.